Non-stop shock radio. The station that shocks you. Renegade Talk Radio. Hi everyone, this is Bethany Blankley. I'm hosting America's Betrayal on Renegade Talk Radio. We're going to talk now a lot about Islam this week and the following weeks because I want to educate listeners and I'm going to have some guests on. We're going to be talking about the infiltration of Islam through a range of different aspects in our government, in our community, in our public schools. And the reason is to educate and to expose that, that you are able to protect yourself and your families and to understand that there is a subversive, relentless, intentional approach to not only reverse constitutional protections, but actually create Islam as a civilization alternative. This is the point of Islam. Islam is not a religion. Well, people need to understand, they can read the Quran, which I keep telling people to do. You need to read the Quran, but there are also other texts that are important to understanding the Quran and how we understand and learn about Islam. Why do I say Islam is not a religion? Because it's not. Islam means, technically, Islam means submission, and it really is a totalitarian political ideology, and there are three phases. Three phases. All three phases exist in America today. I'm going to give you some definitions. You can uh, rewind, listen, write it down. These are several definitions you're going to need to know. One, what is tyranny? Tyranny is a political system in which the state holds total authority over society and all the acts of public and private life wherever possible. This totalitarian concept of tyranny is exactly what happens in Islam. Islam is a complete system of life. It integrates religious, political, legal, and social norms, and they are all regulated and implemented through a series of judicial, militia, military oversight, all through the teachings of the Quran. Now, Quran, it just means recitation. So you're reciting the instructions of political, legal, judicial, and military rule. You're reciting those laws in the Quran, and you're submitting to it. So that's the point of Islam. You're submitting to the legal, social, political, judicial, military rules that are you are supposed to be reciting that are in the Quran. Now, the Quran, that's the main body of legislation. Next is the Sunnah. The Sunnah outlines a system of obligations that are derived from the Hadith. The Hadith are canonical volumes of recorded traditions and sayings of Muhammad. So think about it like this. The Quran might be similar to the Constitution. And the Sunnah would be similar to our legal code. It outlines a system of obligations, and the Hadith is the, are the practices and the canonical volumes that have the traditions and sayings. So it may be comparable to court records, and so the history of our Supreme Court and how and why we have ruled. Those are the best comparisons I can make. In addition to that, Islamic scholars reference a widely respected comprehensive biography of Muhammad. It's called the Sira of 
Ibnin Ishak. You can go to my website and get the link. You can also Google it and buy it from Amazon or any other online store that sells this. So we have the Quran, the Sunnah, the Hadith. There are two major Hadiths that are um, respected among scholars. And then there's this biography. Now, remember, Muhammad was not literate. He could not read and he could not write. He allegedly had this experience when he was in a cave where he was, uh, with no other witnesses, where he experienced many um, appearances of the angel Gabriel and received all of these different instructions. And so later on, he told a scribe who wrote it down, which is what the Quran is. Now, the Quran, Muslims believe, is the literal word of their God, Allah. You can, and the verses and chapters, this is called the Surah. So the Surah, 7634, Muhammad is telling his scribe who writes down the Quran that the Quran is the literal words of Allah. Now, when you read a book, you read books through chapters, chapters one to whatever. In the Quran, the surahs or the chapters, they're not categorized by topics, but the chronology of the chapters mirror the different phases of Islam, meaning that they were recorded throughout the different phases of how Islam was implemented in Muhammad's life. There's also something called the doctrine of abrogation, another term to write down. So we talked about tyranny, totalitarianism, Islam, the Quran, the Hadith, the Sunnas, the Surahs are the chapters in the Quran. And now we're going to talk about abrogation. Abrogation. I'm going to list these. Islamic doctrine of abrogation in the Quran, Surah 297. And verse 106, and there's Surah 16, verses 101 and 102. Abrogation, what it means is, the saying, an ayah, is that in a certain instance, one text supersedes the other text. So what may have been written in one chapter, actually another chapter, that text supersedes it. It has greater legal authority. And so what you need to understand when you're reading the Quran and you're interpreting it through the Sunnah and the Hadith, is that certain verses actually outweigh other verses. And when you understand the first phase of Islam, which usually are represented through the longer passages in the front of the book, this represents the earlier stage of Muhammad's life. Now think about this. Muhammad first introduced Islam after he had this epiphany with the angel Gabriel in 610 AD, and he was in Mecca. And at the time, think about this, and at the time, most people don't know this history, but in where Mecca was in 610 AD, people were worshiping around 350 gods. They had never heard of Allah. They didn't believe in Muhammad. They tried to kill him and they ran him out of Mecca. So you had 350 gods that people are worshiping in this area. By the way, they were fasting and practicing what Muhammad incorporated as Ramadan that existed prior to Islam. Child sacrifice existed prior to Islam. All of these, there were many, many different uh, religious practices of pagan gods and multiple gods that people were worshiping and all kind of different practices that they were implementing that 
many of which were incorporated into Islam later on. The point is, is that these people didn't believe him, and they ran him out of Mecca. So in the very first stages when you are reading through the Quran, this is talking more about tolerance and peace. You'll read language where Muhammad was a minority. And so he's teaching how you need to be peaceful. Don't rock the boat. You're going to be a minority in a new culture that's not going to accept Islam. And so this refers to Muslims who are immigrating and living, in a, living as a minority in a new country. And this is where the term peaceful or quote-unquote moderate Muslims generally relates to. They're about 5% or less of the population. Now, even though there may be that percentage in the population, and even though they may not be rocking the boat and committing crimes or whatever, and they may be considered peaceful or moderate, What's, un- what's really important to understand is that they're still going to demand disproportionate changes in their community. Minority populations are going to demand, as we have seen in the Midwest and Michigan and Wisconsin, where there are huge groups of Muslim immigrant- immigrants, these minority populations, they're demanding food banks and food stamps to be halal. So they want the government to provide them with halal certified food. They are demanding, like in Vermont and other states, where there are signs, where restaurants are posting signs about bacon or ham or whatever food they have on the menu. They are demanding that these signs about bacon be removed because they're just so offensive to them. In Texas, people were buying property and next door was a pig farmer. And they told him that he needed to move because they wanted to cleanse the land. They didn't want to have a pig farmer living next to them. Well, they don't seem to understand that in America, you get to own your private property. And whatever your neighbor says doesn't determine whether or not you should move because they're offended by pigs. The pig farmer was living there well before the Muslim immigrants were. And he's not going to remove his pigs or sell his private land simply because Muslims are offended by pigs. This is what's happening, though. It's happening in every state where people are demanding halal food. They're offended by menus that serve bacon or ham. And they're offended by pig farmers who are living and earning their living on their own private land. So at the same time, while Muslims are demanding this of other people, by the way, who are just minding their own business and and earning a living through restaurants or farming or providing even community services through food banks. By the way, these Muslim immigrants are demanding this of people who have been doing this well before they ever came along. Yet at the same time, these Muslims are communicating, are communicating a message of tolerance. Okay, so in the Quran, there are messages of tolerance. You can have your religion and I'll have my religion. They'll say there's no compulsion in religion, Surah 2, verse 256, because they are understanding that they are a minority just like Muhammad was when he lived in Mecca. So anybody who's claiming Islam is peaceful, they're either practicing taqiyya, another word to write down. Taqiyya is Quran-sanctioned deceit, Surah 3, verse 185. So either someone who tells you, if they're a Muslim, someone who tells you that Islam is peaceful, they're either living in that first phase of Islam, they're practicing taqiyya, which is Quran-sanctioned deceit, or they're afraid. 
Because anyone who exposes what's actually in the Quran, if they're a Muslim, anyone who, who says anything that be, could be considered negative, well, another Muslim has the right to kill them. And one of Muhammad's companions, Abdu Adarda, this is what he said. We can smile in the face of some people, although our hearts curse them. Anybody who may, may uh, criticize or question Sharia law, well, that is considered apostasy or blasphemy. There's a Harvard chaplain and the Ground Zero Imam both clarify in the Quran that if you criticize Islam, if you have any aspect of their apostasy, if you meet any of the terms of their apostasy or blasphemy laws, well, you deserve the death penalty or imprisonment. And if you try to leave, if you try to leave Islam, you also deserve the death penalty and or imprisonment. In fact, a news report just came out the other day about a blogger in Saudi Arabia who's criticizing Islam and his punishment is a thousand lashes. One thousand lashes for criticizing Islam in Saudi Arabia. We're talking about a totalitarian political ideology that does not allow for free speech. It doesn't allow for your neighbor to raise pigs on their farm. It doesn't allow for a restaurant to provide ham on a menu. This is Islam in the peaceful stage. This is Islam in the first phase because they are the minority and they are replicating how Muhammad lived as a minority prior to being thrown out of Mecca and running for his life. What people need to understand is that no Muslim, no matter how much they may be an American citizen, they do not view themselves as an American citizen. They view America as a new society, as a foreign land that they are living in. They reject the West's definition of citizenship. What they are doing is they are applying their minority status within their environment. So right now they can make demands for halal food. They can say they don't want to live next to a pig farmer. They can say a restaurant shouldn't be selling ham. Whatever it is, this is the mindset that is infiltrating America through immigrants who have no intention of being American citizens because they reject American law to begin with. The totalitarian political ideology that incorporates legal and judicial and military oversight and the entire complete way of life, all of this is based in the Quran and the Sunnah and the Hadith. None of this is compatible with the Constitution. None of this is compatible with any concepts of freedom of thought, freedom to work and raise your family, freedom to earn money, freedom to say anything that you want to say that is protected under the First Amendment. There is no First Amendment. There is no such thing under Sharia law, under totalitarian Islamic tyranny. Yet this is what is happening in the United States of America in nearly every state. Now, I've got to take a break. We'll be back. We're going to talk more about this first phase of Islam, what you need to do to identify it, and what you can do in, to, in response to it to protect yourselves in whichever state you live in. I'll be back. You're listening to Bethany Blankley on Renegade Talk Radio. Nonstop Shock Radio. The station that shocks you. Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade. 
Hey everyone, and we're back. You're listening to Bethany Blankley on Renegade Talk Radio. To learn more and read more, go to America's Betrayal on my website, bethanyblankley.com. And I have a bunch of links and articles and information about Islam to educate yourself. There are three phases, all of which exist in America today. Understanding terms, we've been talking about taqiyya, which is Quran-sanctioned deceit. It is encouraged in the Quran to lie to non-believers, which is why you will hear people saying that Islam is peaceful and tolerant, when in fact, the people who say that know it is actually the opposite. Islam means, literally translated, submission. Submission to what? Submission to Allah or death. This is a political ideology, which is why when you see what's happening in the Middle East throughout the Levant with ISIS, there are no Christians and Jews. There's no alcohol. There's no gambling. There are no gays. They're all being pushed out or killed. One of the things to understand when you're reading the Quran, as we talked about in terms of the different phases and how they're represented in the longer passages in the front or the shorter passages at the end, the concept of abrogation, the Quran, the Hadith, and the Sunnah, they all articulate very clearly that Islam has a goal to implement worldwide totalitarian rule. Sharia law is interchangeable with Islam because it's, it is the rule of law, the submission to what is recited in the Quran, which Muslims believe is the literal word of God as translated through an angel to Muhammad. Again, no witnesses were present for that exchange of information. And when you read the Quran, it's, in my opinion, it's very much like reading the Book of Mormon. Both are distorted fictional aspects where they change around the names and events of things that were already discussed and recorded in biblical texts. The oral tradition of that day passed on eyewitness accounts of what happened in the, what in the Bible is called the Old and the New Testament. Many of those stories are perverted and changed and distorted. And you'll read about different events with people's names when actuality that actually is not what happened, but it's distorted and presented in a, what I like to call, it's like Pig Latin. Reading the Quran is like reading the Pig Latin version of the Bible. Same with the Book of Mormon. It's like a distorted version. And what what Islam and actually what Mormons believe is that their books provide additional revelation to the Bible. So the Bible, what Christians believe is the word of God communicated to people who recorded different things that happened. There were eyewitnesses in every instance and communication that recorded match historical events. When you read through the New Testament, what Jesus says about himself, there were eyewitnesses. People were writing letters to each other about what they saw, what other people saw, what other people did. That is not the case in the Quran. The Quran is one man reciting his communication with an angel that nobody else witnessed and someone else is writing it down. And if you do not agree or do not believe, 
you are killed. That is the version of peace in Islam. So any ver- any reference to peace in Islam means that the world will be at peace when every country, every person is Sharia ruled. This is called a caliphate. The caliphate is like the legal bo- a legal body. And there are many aspects to that we'll get into another segment. But I want to explain something. There are people in the Obama administration who have ties to the Muslim Brotherhood, which we'll get into in another segment. And this is what they're asserting that's on either in Twitter or in documents or in speeches that they've given or remarks they've made. One was the Homeland Security Advisor, Mohammed El-Biari. He is a Muslim Brotherhood member, and he has said, and I quote, America is an Islamic country with an, quote, Islamic compliant constitution. He views America within what he believes will soon be a Muslim majority world. Now, another friend of Obama's, Omar Ahmed, chairman of the board of CARE, the Council on America Islamic Relations, which, by the way, the United Arab Emirates has listed as a terrorist organization. Find out about CARE in your state. Talk to your legislators to get them out of your state. CARE has ties to the Muslim Brotherhood and ties to terrorism. They've been investigated, not now, since 2008, but they were being investigated by the IRS for money laundering with ties to terrorism. CARE is implementing in every state to try and make state constitutions Sharia compliant. We will get into that in another segment and as well. I want to stay focused on the first version, the first phase of Islam. And so these are the people in our government who are talking about Islam and the, the mentality, the totalitarian concept that is, ex, that is best explained through their own words, the goal of Islam. So Amar Ahmed, the chairman of the board of care, this is what he says, quote, Islam isn't in America to be equal to any other faith, but to dominate it. The Quran should be the highest authority in America, end quote. One of the things to keep in mind as well, the Muslim Brotherhood recently announced it's creating a political party to engage Muslims in U.S. politics, and they are also working to add Sharia law to each state constitution. Other Islamists in the Obama administration, two notables, Mohammed Magid, a member of the Department of Homeland Security Advisory Board, by the way, he's the president of the Islamic Society of North America. Another organization founded by the Muslim Brotherhood. The Pentagon's Muslim military chaplain. He's a director of leadership development at the Islamic Society of North America, Louis Safi. Now listen, the Islamic Society of North America is probably one of the most dangerous organizations in America besides CARE, which is being funded through the Muslim Brotherhood, which is a terrorist organization. And they're in nearly every state. They are responsible for implementing educational tools and manipulation, especially of college students, which is why you will see increased Jew hatred on college campuses. There is a link to these organizations and the people who are protesting and actually committing violence and hate crimes against Jewish kids 18 to 21-year-old kids at college campuses in America. 
Jew hatred, by the way, and violence against Jews. Jews are still the number one victim of hate crimes across the board, according to an FBI hate crimes report that was released last year based on 2013 statistics. You can go to my website, America's Betrayal. Go to the link about Jew hatred in America on college campuses. There's a video. Everybody should watch this. It is documented First-hand accounts of what was done to them simply because they are Jews. For anybody who says never again and that we don't want the Holocaust to happen again and wah, 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 they are such hypocrites because it's happening right now in America in our college campuses because Jews are the number one targets of hate crimes in America. And people want to blame Pam- Pamela Geller for having a cartoon contest, which, by the way, was in response to another event that was held by CARE and in another Islamic organization at the exact same location only a month earlier or two months earlier. She was following up on an event that, by the way, nobody in the drive-by media would report on. And if they did report on it, they reported on it inaccurately. There was no free speech at that Muslim care event in January at the same place in Dallas. And Pamela Geller went and she wanted to talk about free speech and yet they shot at her. She's a Jewish woman, by the way. Muslims are instructed to hate Jews. Jews and Christians are called the people of the book. Jews are like apes and pigs. This is in the Quran. We'll get to it later in another segment. The point is, everything that Muslims are doing, they are not extremists. These are not isolated events. They They act based on the instruction of Muhammad in the Quran, because if they do not, they will be punished. Now, I want to talk about all of the different aspects within this totalitarian system. There is a mandatory legal system that oversees all areas of society. We're talking about financial transactions, contracts, philosophical beliefs, criminal and civil law. This is why Islamic Sharia councils exist. When you go to the UK, when you go to Holland, when you go to Germany, you will find Islamic Sharia councils. And what do they do? They are a different type of legal system. Muslims don't use whatever those laws are in that country unless they want to use the laws against the country that they're living in. This is why in largely Muslim immigrant populations, there is increased crime. There's institutionalized and regulated honor killings, child marriage, and domestic violence. Child marriage is accepted. Why? Because Muhammad, when he was in his 50s, added to his many wives by marrying six-year-old Aisha. He had sex with her when she was nine. This is why in the column I wrote that ran in Town Hall and many other other news sites, nine-year-old girls are a very costly commodity. They're worth about $200. Nine-year-old girls, their key is nine, is nine years old. Why? Because that is when Muhammad consummated his marriage with her. I want you to think about a 55-year-old man having sex with a nine-year-old. This is what is promoted in Islam because it is what Muhammad did. Under American law, Muhammad is a pedophile. He is a sick, perverted pedophile who marries a six-year-old child. But this is who Muslims esteem. 
You talk to any Muslim and they tell you that you're Islamophobic and they tell you that you hate Muslims. No, you say you don't hate Muslims. You hate the totalitarian ideology of Islam that says it's okay to rape a six or nine year old girl because we value human rights and women's rights in America. This is called pedophilia. It's called sex trafficking and it's illegal. As a man right now, according to American laws, both federal and state, it is illegal for a 55-year-old man to have sex with a 9-year-old child. So you tell any Muslim who tries to justify that, that that's illegal in the United States of America. A 55-year-old man cannot legally have sex with a 9-year-old child. But according to Islam... This is the tradition, and it is more than permissible because it is what Muhammad did. I want to talk to you also about Islamic law. What can and can you not do in Sharia, under Sharia? No alcohol. Drinkers, no gambling. Forget about Las Vegas. No more casinos. No online gambling. So no drinking, no gambling. If you're not married and you're having sex, guess what the punishment is? You have to be whipped. If you're gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, sorry, transgender, Bruce Jenner, you're dead. If you're living in Saudi Arabia and you have this ridiculous parade of media praise for the mental disorder of transgender, I've talked about in other segments, transgender people are dead. They're executed. They do not live in Saudi Arabia. Yet this is who the Bush family has chosen to do business with for several generations. This is where our oil companies are partnering with. For all of you people who care about gay rights, why are you supporting companies that work hand in hand with Saudi Arabia who kills gays and transgender and bisexuals and lesbians? You want to talk about the sick perverted show Sense8 on Netflix? That would not be be possible to watch in Saudi Arabia because they kill transgender. Transgender is not normal in Saudi Arabia. In fact, you are killed for being gay or bisexual or lesbian. It's not allowed. If you drink alcohol, you're going to be whipped. If you're having sex and you're not married with somebody and they find out, you're going to be whipped. All of this is legalized under Islamic law. Freedom of speech, freedom of the press, freedom to worship or not to worship. If you want to be an atheist or an agnostic and you don't want to go to believe, you don't want to believe in anything. You don't want to go to church. You don't want to go to a synagogue, whatever it is. You don't have that right. You either affirm Islam or you're killed. And this is very important because this is what Sharia advocates are saying throughout Western countries. There's Sharia for Holland. There's Sharia for Belgium. There's Sharia for the UK. There's Sharia for Australia. Right now, Australia and New Zealand are having a 700% increase in Muslim immigrants. Why? Why are Muslims not staying in their own Islamic-controlled countries? There's a reason It's not because they want to get jobs or have a better living. There is an intentional, deliberate purpose for immigration, infiltration, procreation. The more children you have, the more you can infiltrate a new society and over time implement and dominate through many different changes overtly and covertly to implement Islam as a civilization alternative. That is the point. It is a totalitarian ideology. The Belgian leader, Abu Imran, he quotes, and I'm, I am 
direct quote. You can find this on YouTube. You can Google it. Abu Imram, he's on my website in articles that I've written. He says, democracy is the opposite of Islam. And I'm quoting, a Muslim who supports democracy is equivalent to a Jewish Muslim. It's impossible to be both Jewish and Muslim and impossible to be a Muslim against Sharia. It is a Muslim's duty to transform all governments to Sharia law. This is why there are different phases in Islam. This is why when you get to other passages in the Quran at different stage in Muhammad's life there are instructions for violence this is why passages that were transcribed according to different times in his life they supersede the previously written passages because the peaceful and tolerant passages mirrored his time as a minority where he had to flee Mecca. Later, when he develops Islamic totalitarian ideology through a political and military regime and violence, then you're going to read later passages and shorter passages in the Quran that show that Islam is not tolerant at all. One of the things I want to get to in the next segment will be finishing out and explaining what this really means for Muslims in other countries under what's become worse than the phase one, two, or three. What does, look, what does an Islamic civilization alternative really look like? And what do we need to protect ourselves against so that we can preserve and protect our freedoms, which are safeguarded in our Constitution? To learn more, read more, go to my website. This is Bethany Blankley. You're listening to Renegade Talk Radio. Nonstop Shock Radio. The station that shocks you. Renegade. Radio.